Hello again and welcome back to You Are My Borough with myself, Dom Shaw and Scott Wilson, both of the Northern Echo. We're looking back. It's a fair few days on now, but it's still absolutely worth talking about that win at Leicester at this, uh, the weekend. And we'll preview this weekend's visit of Plymouth. How are you doing, Scott? I'm all right, Dom. Yeah, you had a good week. All sound. Yeah, all sound. Um, and, and looking back to that Leicester game, was it the most surprise yet obvious Borough result in a, in a, in a fair old time? Well, to be fair, I, I think you half tipped it in the in the preview blog. Not 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 really putting your cards on the line, but in the um, I'll take the that. Kind well, of, I was going to take credit myself, but it's not typical Borough to do this. Um, and and in you know yeah, I mean, listen, we've known all season that Borough have that type of performance in them, don't we? You know they've they've um, they've turned it on in some big games against some big teams. Uh, clearly, you know, the, the cup competitions being the standout, but even in the league. So it wasn't a complete surprise from that point of view. But I think what was most impressive was the players that were out again. And that's the theme that we've been going through all season. And we'll probably come back to later on here. The, 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 the absences, what that meant that Michael Carrick felt he had to do to his team then in terms of a pretty radical shake-up that, that we don't normally see from him. Um, but the fact that then the players on the pitch delivered what he wanted them to so well against, you know, let's be honest, the team that is still almost certainly going to win the title, they're going to go up. Um, brilliant, you know, absolutely brilliant. A, a massive tick in the box for, as I say, the players that were on the pitch and for Carrick himself. Um, a, a great day out for the, for the Borough fans that went down there. The only disappointment is that three days later, West Brom and Hull both win and we're back to 10 points off the playoffs and and it still feels like it's an awfully long way away. And in some ways, that's a shame because it would have been nice if that result on Saturday had taken Borough into this Saturday to potentially get them in a position where they could maybe get to within, say, three points of the playoffs. And then suddenly you're right back in it. It still feels at the minute like Borough are going to need a, a, a an utterly incredible run to get back in there. But you know, what a result to kind of show what they're still capable of. You mentioned typical Borough there. Um, two points from four from four games against the bottom three and six points from two games against <laughs> champions-elect yeah. Leicester. Um, that sums it up. But but we've talked yeah. we've talked a lot this year about how Borough are, are raising themselves against the better teams in the league. Well, either raising themselves or they're just better suited to playing against the better teams in the league. Might well be the latter because you look at, Rotherham and, and basically just that and what what the hell happened in their game at Ipswich the other night by the way I didn't yeah I would yeah. never have predicted Rotherham scoring three at Ipswich and losing um but um when they had to break teams down when you had the low block and they've got to, and they've got to pick the way through it Borough, Borough are better suited I think to not necessarily hitting teams on the counter but just playing against teams that are going to play against them um and yeah, Leicester, it... clearly, are one of those. I, I think Plymouth. I think Ply I, I watched Plymouth. I, I know Plymouth um, at Sunderland. To be fair, a few weeks ago, set up in the first half to to stifle and frustrate. Um, but but a lot of what I've seen from Plymouth this year, certainly at home, they're not. They 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 haven't played like that. Um, but 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 that's a big. And we put that to Michael Carrick earlier in the season, didn't we? Why was it? And and he said it that could be various factors. Um, if, if Borough are going to force the way into the top six, then they need to find a way to beat the teams below them as well as above them in the running, don't they? That's the that's the reality. Yeah, and I think you've I think you've probably hit the nail on the head there with 
at the moment, Borough do struggle to break down well-organised teams who, like you say, you know, effectively string men behind the ball, let Borough have the ball to a great extent, say, OK, you come and break us down. And then Borough, as we've seen in, in those kind of scenarios, have tended to be very, very vulnerable on the counter-attack, have given away soft goals and have then not been able to get back into the game and break those kind of teams down. Where they've Where they've excelled this season is in matches where Borough have had to be the defensively resolute ones. And like you say, it's a bit more than just hitting teams on the break because, you know, it's not like they're having 20%, 30% possession. They're having more of the ball than that. But they're generally counter-attacking on teams who are not necessarily set up because they've turned the ball over to Borough. And that does seem to suit this Borough team. You know, especially at the weekend, the likes of McGree back in there, the likes of Azaz, and um, Silvera, who, who obviously has got an awful lot of pace, really good movement. That seems to suit Borough better than having a load of possession and having to, you know, unpick tightly knit defences by either threading balls through or... And that's probably where, and again, we're kind of going around in circles here, but that's probably where the lack of a number nine comes into it. Because in those kind of games, what you sometimes need is the ability just to throw the ball in to a centre-forward, who, even if he's not going to score off it, will pull defenders away and potentially create pockets of space for other people to exploit. And that's what Borough haven't really had in those kind of games this season. I think it goes back to what we were saying last week as well. You, you said there about West Brom and Hall winning him in midweek, which which obviously opened the gap again at the top six. But, but last week we were talking about, weren't we, how even if Borough don't make the top six, how they finish the season, results between now and the end of the season can dictate the mood going into the summer and dictate the momentum at the start of next season. Um, and, and and as we said last week, it, it's far too early for the season to flatline, really. You'd have gone into that Plymouth game this weekend if, if, if Borough had lost to Leicester last weekend on the back of three, well, four damaging results and 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 the whole place had been very flat, wouldn't it? That Leicester win just gives everyone a lift, regardless of what others yeah. do, regardless of what the gap is to the top six. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I say, it's a reminder of what this Borough team is capable of. And 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 I do think we have to say, you know, this season would almost certainly have been different had Borough not had the crippling injuries that have just not gone away and are, and are still there. Um. And I know in some ways that's a get out. All teams have injuries. You know, you look you look right across football at the minute and it seems like teams are being ravaged by injuries more than ever before, whether that's the intensity of the game, whether that's, um, the, the you know, the, um, the increased kind of workload that players are being put under. Whatever it is, it's pretty undeniable or it certainly feels like um, there's more injuries than ever and Borough have undoubtedly been hit by that. And... And and like you say, the more performances there are like this, the more it does make you think, well, I tell you what, next season, if we have got Hackney back in there, if we have got, um, you know, Smith back at right back, if, we, you know, you forget the, just the list of players who haven't been around all season, effectively. Um, <clears throat> you know, if there's a striker that comes in in the summer to lead the line, if Latalath is back fit and, and able to, to show what he's capable of, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then it does show that, you know, as we've been kind of saying, there is a core of a squad now here that should be able to be built upon in the summer. We keep on saying it, there shouldn't be a need for wholesale change this summer. It should be a case 
of cherry picking to improve the key areas of the squad that are obviously in need of improvement and, and have been pretty much all the seasons. So um, if nothing else, I think Saturday is a reminder of what this Borough squad is capable of. And like you say, hopefully there'll, there'll be more reminders of that between now and the end of the end of the season. And if we talk about what certain individuals are capable of, Finn Azaz, um I don't think it was a disappointing start by any means. I think it was just clear that he was still getting to grips with those around him and the way Borough play and gaining that understanding. At a time when Borough's forward line was in complete flux, wasn't it, really? It was it was a different, a new look, makeshift forward line every week, really. He, he scored two in two now. The, the Preston goal was obviously excellent. And then he gets the goal at Leicester. Um, and Sammy Silvera as well, who... who um, Kind of how, how how do we assess Silvera's first season at Borough? Because he, he's been kind of something of a of a fringe player, more more a, more a substitute than a starter. And yet, from nine starts, twenty five championship appearances in total, but from nine starts, he's he's got four goals and and two assists. Considering he's a young player and getting the grips with with the championship in his yeah. first season. At, I think it's been a promising start, really, on the whole, from Silvera. No, I would agree. I think there's massive potential there. I mean, um, it, first half of the season, it felt like he was pretty much shown what he could do in the in the Carabao Cup, wasn't he, really? You know, a couple of standout performances, um, Exeter being probably the obvious one where, where he really changed the game along with Rodgers in that second half. Um, and, and it was really cameos in the league. What we're starting to see now is him getting more of a genuine chance in the in the, in the league and obviously it was interesting to see him you know pretty much playing through the middle at the weekend and that's another string to his bow now you know going back to the point we started this vid with asking him to do that job in a home game against a Rotherham say who are going to put a load of men behind the ball a big a physical that's a completely different ask to effectively leading the line away from home against Leicester, where most of your attacking is going to be done on the break, trying to dart in behind their defence. So it's going to be horses for courses a little bit with him as to when he plays and where he plays across that kind of front three, if you like. Um, but there's definite, definite potential there. And and, and like you say, you know, the same with Azaz, that, that the more and more we see of him, the more it's pretty obvious that he's going to be an absolute stick-on starter for the rest of this season and next season in whatever side Carrick rebuilds. It increasingly looks like Zaz is going to play a pretty important role within that. The 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 obvious link, the obvious negative from Saturday's game at Leicester was Carrick's admission about Hayden Hagney and Johnny Housen, who both yeah. missed the game. Um you're speaking to Michael Carrick at Rockcliffe on Thursday afternoon. So if you're watching before, then there'll likely be, you'll have likely seen an update by then. But regardless of what he says this afternoon, I can't imagine his tone, and I hope to be proved wrong here, but I can't imagine his tone will have changed too much. He didn't sound particularly upbeat at the weekend. That That's no. a blow, a double blow, isn't it? A major double blow. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, I mean... It it's a it's a big big blow for the next few weeks clearly when like we say you know if borough are going to turn what's looking unlikely playoffs into genuine chance of the playoffs we keep on saying it but it feels like with with a 10 point gap they're going to have to win at least 3 of the next 4 just to start closing that gap before they even get into it so it sounds like they're probably going to have to do that without housing and hackney which is clearly a massive massive blow now 
it also then kind of throws itself forward and starts asking questions about the summer, doesn't it? Because Johnny Housen is in his usual position of being out of contract in the summer. Um, Will Borough offer him another one-year deal? You'd imagine so. Housen has, um, you know, indicated that he wants to carry on playing. He, he clearly loves it here at Borough. So it feels like that's a deal that could easily get done. But, but it's by no means certain. I mean, it, you know, we keep on assuming that Borough are going to keep offering these deals to Johnny Housen. And, and everything Carrick said kind of confirms how important he still is, both on and off the pitch. So you'd imagine that will happen, but it's not certain. And 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 he has been, he has picked up more injuries this year than this season than probably most others, which would be a slight worry given given the age he is if you're going to be offering him a new deal. And then Hackney, you know, we, we probably expect, don't we, there to be interest in Hackney in the summer, Premier League interest, if Borough aren't going up. Um, and, and, and so, you know, all of a sudden, you may be just seeing two or three more appearances from Hackney. Well, we don't know how bad the injury is. Listen, I'm jumping there. But but you, we might not be seeing much more of Hayden Hackney before Borough have to make a really big decision in the summer about what they're going to do with him if genuine bids come onto the table. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely not a great time to be without them for a whole host of different reasons. Michael Carrick's talked repeatedly this season, hasn't he, about injuries for one player is an opportunity for another. Lewis O'Brien being being the being the primary um beneficiary here, I think, of, of Hackney and Housen's injury. He, he, he obviously played in the middle at the weekend. O'Brien was one of the championships standout midfielders a couple of seasons ago at Huddersfield. Obviously Nottingham Forest paid big money for him. That didn't work out. Um but he was the driving force behind that Huddersfield team's surprise run to the yeah. to the playoff final. If if Borough can get, when he came, I was at his press conference in the summer when he spoke after he'd signed, and he 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 he, he was great talking about how he feels like he has a point to prove. Last season didn't go to plan, but he wants to get his career back on track. He feels like he has to prove a point. Now, obviously, that was kind of taken out of his hands when he suffered that injury at Watford early in the season. But I think two things probably credit to O'Brien's character and professionalism. One, given that he talked about his desire to prove a point and given that he clearly sees himself as a midfielder he was more than happy to help out and do a job at left back in the early stages of the season when when Lucas Engel was obviously finding his feet and Alex Bangura was injured but then B during that four month long layoff there was never any indication about him going back to Forest no. about him wanting to go back to Forest the, the message was always clear you know he'll get fit here and we want him to play a part in the in, in the remaining weeks or months of the season when he does come back. And, and now he's going to get that chance, isn't he? But what the future holds is is unclear. But if Borough can get anything like the midfielder that not that Huddersfield had a couple of seasons ago, then they've got a star there. Yeah, I think it was his best performance at the weekend, wasn't it? Um, and, and he, you know, he, what he's showing is that there's a really, really quality midfielder in there. But there's also a player who, like you say, can, can do a number, a number of different roles. We've seen him filling at left back. He's played on the left of the midfield. He's played central midfield. He's played deep line midfield. He's almost played as a 10. That's really valuable um, at any time, but massively so at the minute when the squad is kind of being picked apart in various different positions. And it seems like every week a different player goes down. So he is going to have a really big role between now and the end of the season. No question about that. And then, like you say, you know, for all that we carry, we, we, we say that it's not a re major rebuilding uh, job in the summer, and it's not. There are still a number of decisions Borough are going to have to make. And, and O'Brien is clearly one of them. Um, you know, 
you would imagine that assuming Forrest stay up, he probably doesn't have a long-term future there. So, you know, are Borough going to commit whatever it takes to get him? I would imagine, um, well, I think there's pretty much no doubt that his wages at Forest as a Premier League club will be higher than what Borough would ideally want to pay. So that would be an issue that would need resolving straight away. Then there'd be the issue of a transfer fee. But O'Brien's clearly enjoyed his time here at Borough. He was clearly willing to, to stay with them um, and, and get himself back to fitness and do the work and all of that kind of stuff. So potentially, I would imagine there is a deal to be done there in the summer if Borough wanted to go down that avenue. And clearly, the, the you know, the more performances like last weekend that, that O'Brien puts in, the more Carrick will, will be banging on Kieran Scott's door saying, look, I think we should be really moving heaven and earth to get this lad because, you know, I, I think he could be massive for us. Because Carrick talks a lot, doesn't he, about having the right characters and... It's clear that O'Brien is one of those. If he, if he was going to join on a permanent yeah. deal, there's obviously no settling in period. It's just the continuity of 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 last season. We'll we'll see how that pl- that one plays out as the season progresses. Um, Plymouth then this weekend. First things first. Do you expect Carrick to stay with the same setup? Um, no, I'd be surprised if it was five at the back again. Um, I I get the impression that that was ear to match kind of what Leicester generally do in their wide attacking positions and B, the fact that you're aware to the league leaders and your options in various parts of the field are restricted. Clearly, a little bit's going to depend on on who is actually available. Um, But I'd be surprised if it was five at the back for a home game against Plymouth. That doesn't really smack of what Carrick wants his side to be like at the Riverside in general. So I think we'll go back to a, a more, if you like, normal formation. Um, it'd be interesting to see if that's Silvera through the middle again, because, and you know, assuming there's no Coburn or Latalath. Now, you know, the suggestion was Latalath getting, was getting a little bit nearer. So again, we're speaking here before we speak to Michael Carrick. So it might well be that, that, that um, there's a definitive answer there one way or the other, but... I wouldn't rule out Latalath potentially being available, although, like I say, by the time you watch this, it might well have been ruled out. Um, if it's if there's no Corburn or Latalath, then it's an interesting one because Greenwood through the middle hasn't really worked. Um, Force, again, it, it, Carrick just does not seem to want to go there. He's had innumerable opportunities to play Force as the nine. Silvera as the nine worked at the weekend, so... It's a very different proposition in a home game against Plymouth, you know, as I've kind of alluded to earlier. But given that it worked, it wouldn't be a complete surprise if he gave that another shot. Plymouth, I think, are winless in the last four in the championship, but but they'd had a good stretch before that uh, when yeah. they came in to replace Stephen Schumacher. And, and in Morgan Whitaker, they, they've got one of the best championship players. Against, I was at the game at Sunderland, the stadium light a few weeks back and and, and the through ball he played yeah, for what was Plymouth's cool. opening goal was was quite something it goes without saying that he's the one Borough are going to have to keep under wraps and and without house and there um, it, you, you, it's going to lie on Balassa or O'Brien really just to keep track of things there isn't yeah. it and keep a close eye on him and not let him pull the strings like you'd like to yeah yeah I mean he you know he's undoubtedly there Stan. I mean, obviously um, you know, was doing it in tandem with Azaz to a degree in the first half of the season. So it'll be a big afternoon for Finn Azaz going up against, um, you know, his former club and, and, and a, 
and a club that kind of was the making of him, really, in terms of um, showing and giving him the platform to show what he could do, obviously, when he was on loan there from Villa. So, um, big afternoon for him. But, yeah, in the opposition ranks, it, it you know, it feels like that Whitaker is um, not quite the be-all and end-all with Plymouth, but he's he's probably as important to them as Jack Clark is to Sunderland. And as um, you know, as the as the kind of dar- derby game showed, if you stop Jack Clark to a large extent, you stop Sunderland. Well, I think if you stop Morgan Whitaker, then to a large extent, you you stop Plymouth. So that'll be the key challenge for Borough defensively um, at the weekend. But you know, I, I think the game will be won or lost by whether Borough are able to turn what, what will almost certainly be a large amount of possession and a fair amount of territory into genuine chances that they can convert. Because, you know, as we've kept on saying, against the sides in the bottom half of the table, that's been the problem this season. They just haven't scored enough goals against those sides. Can Borough do that this weekend? And, and, and lots of ifs here, obviously. But you mentioned there at the start that the gap now between Borough and the top six after the wins for Hull and West Brom at the weekend. But Plymouth this weekend, then Stoke away, who were, were fault they're in. And, and let's be honest, they're in a relegation uh, back yeah. at the bottom of the championship. If, and clearly the challenge for Borough all season has been consistency and stringing together wins. If, if Borough can build on Leicester with a couple of wins there, with six points against Plymouth, and um, and Stoke, and I'm smiling at myself here because I'm conscious of what we were saying before those Bristol City and Preston games when we were eyeing up at least. Six yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but then that Norwich game, that home game against Norwich, we'll have a feel to it, won't it? Yeah, I mean, you, you've got to remember that Borough do have a game in hand against pretty much all the sides above them. It's that Birmingham game, isn't it? That's been slotted in in the in the middle of March. Now, um, you know. Games in hand aren't necessarily worth as much as they sometimes feel at this stage of the season because you know it's the classic. You'd rather have the points. Win them, and yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, but the fact still remains that, like you say, you know there is an extra game there. We've got five games running along the bottom there. I mean, we keep on doing this, but it feels like Borough need an absolute minimum of nine points, ideally twelve from those five games to realistically give them a shot going into, because what, once you've played those last five, we'll be into the last seven or eight. So you need to be within six points of the playoffs, really, then, because there's going to be so many sides involved in it. It's like, you know, if it was just you shooting against one other team, you've got a shot. But when there's four or five other teams in amongst it, which there inevitably will be, you need to be in that. So, yeah, so I do think those five games, it's got to be nine points. Ideally, it probably needs to be 10 or 12. And and given how inconsistent Borough have been this season, that feels a big ask. But it's by no means impossible when you look at the games that are coming up. You know, Plymouth at home, it's a, it's a big opportunity to get a win. Stoke away, as you say, yes, it's going to be difficult because Stoke are scrapping, but, but Stoke are not playing well. Um, Norwich at home will have a big game feel to it if Borough have got themselves back into it. QPR at Loftus Road, well, they're down there scrapping for their lives as well. And, and then Birmingham, um, well, I was going to say a reunion with Tony Mowbray, but obviously there's been some really, really um, sad news on that front this week, which maybe we'll touch on in a second. But, you know, Mark Venus anyway, either way. Um, there are games there that, that on paper, Burrow can take advantage of, but we've been saying that all season. And in general, they haven't done what you want them to do. So, you know, let's see what happens, I guess. 
Yeah, on Mowbray, I want to talk about Mowbray. Obviously, the sad news on Monday that he's had to step away from, from Birmingham temporarily um, due to medical reasons. The, the outpouring of love and support from across football, from all of his previous clubs, from all of the fans of his previous clubs, is just a measure, really, of the man, isn't it? The, the manager, but more so the man. Yeah, and, and, you know, we've seen that dealing with him at, at both at Borough and at Sunderland, haven't we? That, you know, it, you... you, you if, even if you've never met Tony Mowbray, I think your impressions of the way that he comes across and everything is that he's just a genuine bloke and a, and a really nice fella. And that's absolutely what he is what, once you get to know him and, and have a bit of dealings with him. Um, you know, just thoroughly down to earth, thoroughly decent, really nice guy. It hasn't surprised me whatsoever that, that there's been this kind of outpouring of support for him. Um you know, nobody that I know in football has, has kind of ever had a bad word to say about Tony Mowbray, um, and and clearly we just we just hope that um, that whatever it is he's he's, he's fighting against, um, he gets the better of it and everything comes out all right. And obviously we, you know, we wish him all the best and his family and everything. Um, just 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 a real shame because he you know he's he's gone into Birmingham and it seemed to be very very re-energized after kind of the way it ended at Sunderland and and unsurprisingly he was getting results there he was turning things around there but but obviously there's times in life when football has to go on the back burner and and this is clearly one of them yeah, um, they, they loved him at Birmingham. I, I, a few weeks back, I was talking to a, a guy from down there who's, who's covered Birmingham for years and years, and he'd rang me about something else, just to catch up about something else. And I, and I said to him, I was Tony. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm a bloke in my I'm a bloke in my mid-50s and I've got a man crush. Um, <laughs> said, yeah. yeah, just everything yeah. he says, he's got us eating out the palm of his hand. Um, yeah, that's it. Did you, see the, did you see the Revels clip at the weekend where a Birmingham fan had chucked a packet of Revels at him as he was... Really? Making, no, I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah, he was making his way down the tunnel and a fan had chucked a packet of Revels at him and he picked it up and walked off with, uh, with him. Brilliant. Um, in, in terms of managers you've dealt with, is, is he the best? He's got to be right up there. He's got to be right up there. Um, yeah, he's got to be right up there. Um, I mean, in terms, in terms of Borough... Um, He'd be up there without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, you know, Warnock clearly was a bit of a bit of an adventure, wasn't it? And you know, he's a he's a very decent, enjoyable kind of bloke. Um, I mean, you know, I always got on pretty well with Karanka. I've got to say, I always found Karanka pretty good to deal with. I know that wasn't the universal feeling within the press, and obviously within the fan base, you know, there's kind of ups and downs in that relationship. But but I always found Karanka really good to deal with. Um, other other northeast ones that stand out. So Bobby at Newcastle would be an obvious one, I guess. But I was pretty young then, just starting out really, and and the chance to just listen to his press conferences and the kind of passion and enthusiasm he still had at his age, and getting the whiteboard out and taking twenty minutes to explain to us what he was doing and stuff when he could quite easily have just given us short shrift. That was that was fantastic. Um, and then Sun the one that probably stands out at Sunderland is Keane for completely different reasons, but um. It was always a bit of a challenge and a bit of an adventure going to his press conferences, but it was always entertaining. And for all that he has this reputation, I always found him pretty fair, to be honest. He he um he would snap back at you, but he would quite willingly let you have a go back at him and, and have a bit of a ding dong about it, you know. So so yeah, but but in terms of Borough, yeah, Mowbray would have to be right up there. 
It's it's his honesty, isn't it? He, he can't help but he can't help but answer a question, can he? The one that oh. always stands out is when Sunderland played Borough last year, and he was asked about the Sunderland midfielder Dan Neal, and uh, yeah. basically words of the effect of can he can he go on to play in the Premier League? And Tony started his answer with kind of the message: Look, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna attract attention, attract Premier League attention around midfielder. You, you can see how good he is. He doesn't need me to talk him up and say. He's Premier League bound. But then he kept talking and kept talking and kept talking and ended his answer with. And and when I look at Dan, I, I maybe don't see him being too dissimilar to the to the man who's going to follow me in here, Michael Carrick. And you think yeah. he, started his, he started his answer by saying I'm not biting and ended it by comparing to Michael Carrick. I'm not like, bite, yeah, yeah. And I mean and, and his time at Borough, I think I think the way that he handled that was the measure of the man as well, because it was his hometown team. It would have been his dream job. You know, he'll always have kind of fancied the taking on Borough. Um, he obviously had the massive relationship with the fans. And, you know, it didn't work, but it didn't work really because he was dealt such a difficult hand. It was a time of cost-cutting. The big names and the big wages were going out of the club. He, he was tasked with bringing through a, a, a new generation, if you like, which... Through, you know, further down the line, time showed that he did so well at. Um, now, you know, he's a guy who likes working with young players, don't get me wrong, but I think a little bit of him would still have felt like, do you know what, this was my one shot at Borough and I've never really been given a real crack at it, but he's never come out and said that, has he? He's, he's you know, he, he's talked around it, but he's never said, I got a dud hand at Borough, what was I meant to do there, you know? And, and I think at the time that will have hurt him a bit, um, now, you know, there's a lot of water gone under the bridge now. He's, he's been here, there and everywhere. He's done all sorts. But I think at that time, he would have been stung by that. But but partly because I think he didn't want to sour what he had with the club and partly just because of the guy that he is, he, he didn't ever kind of come out and bang that drum. Um, and I think that's the measure of him as well. And I think when you say that, it didn't work for him. Obviously, he didn't, he didn't take Borough up, which is what he wanted to do. But there's, Kar- Karanka doesn't, of the success he has without without the foundation put in place. So I think it probably did work, but down the line and Karanka was a beneficiary. Now Karanka clearly did an awful lot of good work as head coach. I'm not I'm not disputing that. Um but when you look at the players who Mowbray brought in, Ledbitter, George Friend, uh, Albert Adoma, uh, Dimmy, although I know Dimmy wasn't playing under under Mowbray, but he came during uh, Tony Mowbray's time. The work was done for Ayala and Tomlin, if I remember rightly. You could go yeah. on and on. He gave Ben Gibson his debut. There, the, he he put the foundations in place for the success. Yeah, he absolutely there. did. And like I said, the, the shame really is that he, he never really got the opportunity to get the credit for that that he deserved. Um, and and you know, I think Borough fans now, like you say, looking back, would undoubtedly say that. Um, that, that an awful lot of what he did paved the way for all of that, but but at the time he probably didn't get the credit for that because the results just weren't quite there. And just finally on Mowbray, I think the other thing that's always struck me is ma- managers always talk about wanting to leave the club in a better place than when they arrived, and yet the reality is most managers have to look after themselves and look after yeah. the here and now. And yet when you look back at all the clubs Mowbray has been at. He, he has left them in a better place. He has left them yeah. in a position to kick on. Um, you look at the mess at Blackburn when he took over there and he, all right, he went down with them, but he brought them back up and 
and steadied them. Sunderland last year were very much in flux when he took charge, weren't they? It was yeah, unknown yeah. at that stage how they were going to do. He obviously led them to the top six and developed the young players. But uh, there, there are countless other examples. I, I think that's the other... That, that yeah. again, shows that he's always been in it for the right reasons. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's, it's clearly a major, major reason why he was out of work after Sunderland for, what, a month, a month and a half, and Birmingham couldn't snap him up quickly enough because I think clubs acknowledge that, that, you know, yes, you want a manager to get you promoted, win you the league, whatever your ambition is set at, but you also want someone, um, you know, unless you're at the absolute elite level, you want someone who can progress your club knowing that the, the conditions aren't always going to be absolutely optimal for them to be able to do that. And, and you know, that that is Mowbray's kind of calling card, isn't it, if you like, really? Fingers crossed. We've, you know, I, I was sending our love and, and thoughts to, to Tony through this time and hopefully he'll be back in the Birmingham dugout in no time at all and having those um, Birmingham press men and women down there eating out the palm of his hand once more and best of luck to, to Mark Venus uh, during his interim stint in charge. Back back to Borough, Plymouth this weekend. Predictions? <laughs> we haven't been very good at this recently, have we? 2-1, um, Borough. I, I think Borough will win it. I suspect it'll be hard work. Um, you know, I think... I think it'll be like a number of the games that we've seen this season where Borough will dominate possession, but will have to start taking their chances. Um, but, 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 you know, an Azaz last Plymouth, like you say, they're not on a great run. Br the Bristol City was a disappointment. I think if you, if you lose at home to Plymouth or even draw at home to Plymouth, it's a bigger disappointment because this feels, you know, Bristol City, well, A, Borough's record against them, as we said, was abysmal, but B, you know, are up there challenging, have the potential of that kind of result in them. It hasn't felt for a while like Plymouth have really. So I think if I think if Borough were to slip up here, then then it would be a real, real disappointment and probably the final nail in the coffin. So um two one Borough, you yeah, I, I agree. I think the disappointment would be more so than than it was against Bristol City because I think Bristol City are a better team and just after the after the highs of Leicester last week, you, you 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 desperately use that as a springboard, aren't you? And kick on. Um, and I think Borough will. I think two nil. Um, yeah. Clearly, the first goal is important, isn't it? Um, and the longer it goes on without Borough getting it, then the more frustration might set in. But um, I, I fancy Borough to pick pick the way through, and I and I think they'll yeah. win two nil. And then we'll be, back, we'll be back here next week, plotting the route to the top six. It reminds exactly. me, reminds me of last year at Sheffield United when we spent, yeah. weeks, we spent weeks and weeks convincing ourselves. There was Every week we thought it was going to happen. I know, I know. Sheffield. Well, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Well, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. If you are watching on YouTube, then do remember to, to press subscribe and, and as ever, leave any comments uh, in the comments section. If you're listening on podcasts, then please rate and, and leave a review there as well. Enjoy the rest of your week. Um, Scott is at Rockcliffe on Thursday afternoon, so it'll be full reaction from Michael Carrick's press conference ahead of the game against Plymouth, and then we'll have coverage this weekend. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Take care.